Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. Uh, I'm here with the very talented and beautiful Phil Watson. Phil, how are you doing today? That's one of the nicest things you've ever said to me, Matt, or possibly <laughs> anyone. So I'm very, very grateful. It was worth turning up just for that. Just doing just your hair. Yeah, do do yeah. your hair. Quick for Matt Crew complains about it. <laughs> How are you doing, bud? You doing all right? You know what? I'm doing very well. It's very good of you to ask. I don't know why, if anyone else knows this, but I broke my teeth 22 years ago. And just recently, I don't know how close I want to get. This is yeah. my brand new porcelain tooth or made of tungsten or something. It only costs £3,000. It's the most valuable. <laughs> it's the most valuable part of my body. And my dentist tells me it will last longer than me. Um, so whether I should be cremated or buried, this tooth, I will have it removed and donated to one of my children. <laughs> I don't know which one's going to get it. I think I know, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, n- nice to see you. Hello, everybody on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. And it, well, it's great to see you and all your teeth, Phil. That's yeah, Thank um, you very much. Yes. <laughs> it's great to have you. So welcome to Crowd Church. If this is your first time with us, uh, we are an online church. We just do church, but online. Uh, and we say that we're a church for those that might not see the point of church, might not get it. Or, you know, you've like me and Phil, you've maybe been around a few years. Speak for yourself. <laughs> You're very fresh faced. I, I'd appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I am. <laughs> So Phil and I have been friends. How long have I known you, Phil? It's got to be what, it's been twenty five odd years, I suppose. I've got a horrible feeling it's longer. We we knew each other when Liverpool were having a very bad run and not winning the league for nearly thirty years. So I think it goes back to nineteen ninety two. Well, funny, ninety two was when I came to Liverpool. And were you here before me? Yeah, I've been here since 89, so I'm from oh, okay. London originally, but I came as an economic refugee, and I've ne- I've never left. Of course you did, yeah. It's brilliant, I love living <laughs> in Liverpool, it's fantastic. Is there any other way to come to Liverpool other than as an uh, economic refugee? M62 is more traditional, but yeah, <laughs> each, each, each to their own. Each to their own indeed. So welcome, big warm welcome to everybody. If this is your first time with us, feel free to join in the comments. Uh, and on the fa- if you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube, you can join in on the comments. You can also WhatsApp us. The number is on your screen, uh, or you can contact us via the website, which is also on the screen right here. Uh, and if there's anything that comes up today uh, that you don't want to put in the comments, but you want to reach out to us, or maybe you've got like a prayer request or something like that, uh, you can get to us through that number down there, the WhatsApp number. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Do get connected. Uh, it'd be great to hear from you. So warm welcome to all. Today, drum roll. Do you know what we're doing today, Phil? Do you remember? Uh, uh, this is where I go, no, Matt, tell me, what are we doing today? <laughs> It's totally scripted, obviously. (laughs) So today we are carrying on our brand new series called What Does the Bible Say About? We are asking the topic, uh, asking the question today, rather, what does the Bible say about me? We are getting into this whole idea of identity uh, and it is going to be fun, fun, fun. But before we do that, 
Phil, should we do the news? Are you ready for the little intro? Yeah, go on then. Here we go. Oh, yes. A very posh intro for the news <laughs> section. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was great. So let's think and talk about the news today. Phil, I came across this, uh, which I thought was quite funny. Can you read this? Uh, and the Lord said unto John. This is the news that basically John came fifth and won a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bad joke. That is yeah, appalling. It is, and I'll be using it later. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're more than welcome. I also came across this, uh, which is going to help us all in our theology uh, in the, for the news section. So the uh, diagram, the Venn diagram of the book of Job, the Backstreet Boys and a psychotherapist. I thought was <laughs> absolutely Tell brilliant. me why. Excellent. <laughs> who, who's got nothing better to do than work out these memes? Because I need a job like that. That looks like my <laughs> And do they get paid for it? Something else. I'll work out a stupid meme. Brilliant. Well, let me show you this one. This is great. Uh, I came across this. This is very topical for our household. My dad gave them free will and they used (laughs) to crooks. Yeah. So so I thought that was good. But, I mean, on a more serious note, today, you were telling me, Phil, is... It's World Mental Health Day. Um, And it's something I, I know, you know, me and Matt are of a certain age, of a certain demographic... And I know that a lot of men of my age, you know, Matt as well, um, mental health is something that we didn't grow up discussing. It's not mm. even a phrase we'd have used, is it, when we no. were in our 20s or 30s? And I think it's a brilliant thing that it's something that is more open now. It's more yeah. discussed now. Um, and actually, mental health, physical health, they're both, they're both, they're signs of the same coin, maybe. And, and to be, I mean, we are a crowd church. I was thinking about my own mental health, and about 10 years ago, I got... I'd say overly anxious. So more, mm. you know, you can worry about things, you know, like, I don't know, it's okay to go, what about tomorrow? Uh, yeah. What about, you know, have we got enough income? Um, how's my job going? These things are very normal and probably within a certain parameters are natural. But I found myself getting, I say, overly anxious, um, really worried about things. And there's a few things that I realized I had to do, chatting about it with my wife and a few friends from church. And some of them are quite biblical. And one of them is, and I know it's it's a Sunday today, and, and we talk about... It's Sunday okay to be biblical on Sunday, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's it. Is it okay, crowd church, biblical Sunday, <laughs> taking one day off a week okay. and making a day different from all the others? You can call it the Sabbath. You can call it Sunday. I don't think it has to be called that. I don't think it has to even be Sunday. But having one day that is different from all the others is really good for the human soul. And, yeah. you know, other religions do it too. And we're probably one of the first generations, and I'm thinking about Western, you know, Western people living in 2021 who think we can live 24 hours, seven days a week, constantly online, constantly dealing with emails and all the rest of it, and thinking it's not good for us to take a day off. If you, if you yeah. want one tiny tip about mental health, try take and have day one off. day that's different from all the others. Do, yeah. do different. doesn't matter do what Sabbath. it is. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, Sabbath. Do Sabbath. Call it Sabbath. Have you yeah. read the, it's totally off topic now, but do, have you read the Mark John Mark Comer book, The Relief? the ruthless elimination of hurry i have i have read that i and i one thing i really like about it and i didn't know i was like this until my children told me and that's just true of all men of my age who've got teenagers <laughs> is, is is it's quite you've got when you buy something or when you have a a, a 
a product, whatever it might be, does it have you or do you have it? I think, you know, we're moving into sort of feng shui or whatever that is, where you go, is this something that gives you pleasure? Mm. Or is it something that costs money and time to maintain? Um, and maybe it's something, again, you're looking at the, the acquisitive nature of our society, by which I mean, we buy stuff, we get it on credit, or we want it, or we think we need it. And you have to ask yourself, does it give you pleasure? And I Apparently, my children say I'm a bad dresser, which I find very hard I to believe. I find that very hard I, to believe, I'm shocked yeah. as well, yeah. I, I ride a bike. I don't. I, we do have a car, but we got given it by a grandfather of ours. Well, my, no, that's a stupid thing to say, isn't it? My father-in-law, my kid's grandfather. And I'm, I'm not particularly materially orientated. But, mm. And I don't think it's wrong to have any, any things. It's not wrong to have stuff. But another thing to ask yourself, and I know it was brought up in that book, wasn't it? Do if you own something, does it bring you pleasure? If it brings mm. you pleasure, keep it. If it doesn't, and it grab it, it takes away your time, takes away your resources, takes away your joy. Maybe think about whether you can stick it on eBay and get rid, and get a few quid for it, and get something that yeah. does bring you pleasure. And um, definitely, yeah. if you've not read that book, actually, the John Mark Comer book, do read it. It's a great book on yeah. uh, rest and Sabbath. So today is World Mental Health Day. So uh, and like Phil said, top tip to protect your mental health: Sabbath. Take some yeah. time off. Uh, Take a that's day. what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. So that was a good introduction. Uh, yeah, well here done. we go. Yeah, yeah. Well You're done. Well, well done, Phil. <laughs> so today we are looking at the topic: What does the Bible say about me? It's big questions about identity. Who am I, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, if, again, if you're new to Crowd Church, we are going to get into a talk uh, in just a few minutes here. After that talk, we're going to have a time of worship and reflection, uh, which is basically we're going to play a song. And then, <laughs> after that, Phil and I are going to have a big old discussion about this whole topic about what the Bible says about me and and what the implications of all that are. We are going to look at your questions, your comments. So, do put them in the Facebook comments or the YouTube comments. However, you're watching this. Uh, and we've got, oh yeah, I'm just looking here. We've got everyone here. We've got Matt crew here. Sharon's here. Uh, we've got Graham Clare. Hey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Marshall's here. So, uh, welcome to everybody. Great to see you. Uh, the question here, uh, from Graham, and I assume you know why he's put this, Phil, why don't you have any flags behind you? Uh, Nadine will have you all shut down. What? <laughs> He's a strange fella. I love him. What's he talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but he put lots of Union Jacks in his uh, question. So. I don't know how you, you can probably do that with the with your technical skills, Matt, but I've got no idea how you do any of that. Fair enough. No idea at all. Well, I'm looking uh, at the right camera. Yeah, you are. Yeah, look in that camera. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, we are going to get into the talk right now. The talk's going to last about 20 minutes, like I say. Then uh, we'll be back after that. So uh, you will hear from Phil and I in just a few minutes. But here's the, here's the talk. What does the Bible say about me? Thank you. 
what does the Bible say about me? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What what does God think of me? And how should I think about myself as a result of that? See, these are all questions about the topic of identity. Who am I? And the best way to start to dig into this whole topic, at least in my opinion, is to ask, what does the Bible say about me? It will reveal, the Bible will reveal what God thinks of you and what God thinks of me. The Bible is a great starting place for me to establish my identity. So why does it matter what God says about me? Well, to answer this question, I want to look at a story from Mark's Gospel, which is one of the books that chronicles the life of Jesus. And there is a story about a guy called Jairus, who lives in a town called Capernaum, which is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And for his job, he was the ruler of the local synagogue. And Jesus spent quite a bit of time in Capernaum, the place where Jairus was. And so when Jairus's daughter got really sick... He knew that Jesus was a good person to go and see, as he would have seen all the miracles and healings that were following Jesus around. So Jairus heads to see Jesus, invites him to come to his house to pray for his sick daughter. And Jesus goes with Jairus. And as they're walking to the house, Jairus's friends intercept them and come with like a a message, an update on Jairus's daughter. Here's what they said. They said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Well, that's subtle, right? The subtle way to break the news. Your daughter is dead, so stop bothering people. (sighs) Imagine the instant grief and despair for Jairus at this point. Jairus was now the father of a dead daughter. His identity had instantly changed. And the identity of Jairus' daughter had also changed as she was now dead. Jesus and Jairus, though, go to the house. They carry on that journey and they find a whole bunch of folks who are grieving and upset, which makes sense. But notice what Jesus says about Jairus's daughter and how it's different from what everyone else is saying. Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. I don't know about you. I find this utterly extraordinary. She isn't dead. She's asleep. Well, there's now a massive disconnect, isn't there, between what Jesus said about this young girl and what everybody else is saying about her. There's even a disconnect between what Jesus is saying about Jairus's daughter and what medical evidence is saying about her. And it's not just me that thinks this is a bit out there, a bit extraordinary. Everyone in Jairus's house was more than a little bit bemused by the whole situation. So they reacted in the only way that human beings know how to react. They ridiculed him. Of course they ridiculed him. He was crazy and more than a bit bonkers. Obviously, he had lost the plot. But let me ask you a question. What is more important? What God says about you or what those around you say about you? Your friends, your family. 
because it's Jesus in this story who has the last laugh, as you would expect. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithai kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. I bet they were overcome with great amazement. I am overcome with great amazement too. And it's 2,000 years later. But the point I want to draw out from this story, it kind of answers our question, why does it matter what God says about me? You see, in life, I have found that there are often two opposing views at work. What the Bible says about us and what everyone else, including ourselves, say about us. And when we understand and believe what God says about us, our lives are transformed. Now, we might not literally be raised from the dead like the young girl in the story, but the miracle for us is just as great. Christ will literally pull us up from our metaphorical deathbed and give us a new identity. We are no longer dead, but we're alive. That's why it matters what God thinks about me. And this leads me nicely on to my next question. What does God see when he looks at me? It's an interesting question, isn't it? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Now, if you're like most people, when you and I look in the mirror, we often see our flaws, don't we? Let's be real. Uh, we can look at our weight or the wrinkles on our face of we're of a certain age like I am, or maybe our hair colour or lack thereof of hair colour, right? Uh, we see something that needs improving, something uh, that could be made better, maybe. The trouble with that is that we can think that that is the way that God sees us too. We think that he looks at us, he sees flaws, a sinner, someone who is maybe average, someone who often disappoints him or someone who is broken and needs to be fixed. But when God looks at us, he doesn't just see our obvious flaws, but instead he sees so much more. And the answer may surprise you. When he looks at you, he sees Christ, he sees Jesus. And this is crucial for us in understanding our identities, our new identities, right? In church circles, we call this knowing who I am in Christ Jesus. So let me explain that phrase a little bit, right? If we think about Jairus's daughter, in Christ, she was asleep, not dead. When you look in the mirror, you may see someone who is broken and needs fixing, but in Christ... You are complete and whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, the Bible tells me. So let me explain how this works with a simple question. And it's not a trick question, by the way. Uh, how fast are you traveling right now? Now me, I'm sat here in my chair, not really moving at all. Uh, you may be sat watching this video. You could be on a train. The train could be moving. I don't know, right? So what's your best guess at how fast you're traveling? So for me, as I said, I'm sat still. 
I am moving at a massively whopping zero miles per hour. Yes, I am. It's true, right? That is a statement of truth, as I'm sure that you can agree, because when I look at the camera, when I look at the walls in this room, I am not moving. Relative to them, I am sat still. And that's the key to this question. Relative to what I see and experience, I am not moving. So what happens if I change my frame of reference? What if I look at myself relative to something outside of these four walls? What if I use, for example, the sun? Well, then that becomes a very different picture because the Earth orbits the sun at a speed of around 67,000 miles an hour. That's pretty quick, right? And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if the Earth is moving at 67,000 miles an hour, well, then I'm also moving at 67,000 miles an hour because I'm on Earth, right? Just the logic. So the irony here is that both statements are true. I'm moving at zero miles an hour and I'm moving at 67,000 miles an hour. Now, I couldn't use the arguments that I'm traveling at 67,000 miles an hour to get off a speeding ticket, for example, because whilst it's true, it wouldn't work because everyone else is looking at my speed relative to that speed camera, not relative to the sun. Okay, And all the people that were in Jairus's house were looking at Jairus's daughter relative to what they knew. But Jesus looked at her relative to what he knew. And when we look at ourselves, we can do that relative to what we know and see and experience and feel. Or we can look at ourselves relative to how God sees us. And to do that, we look at who we are in Christ. So let me give you some examples. Here's the first one. I am loved by God. Now, this is foundational for our Christian faith. Here's one of my favorite passages in the book of Romans. Paul said this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Now, I may not feel loved, especially God's love. But the truth is, I really am loved. And when this truth sinks into our hearts, when certainly when it sank into my heart, it totally changed my identity. How I view life is changed. What does the Bible say about me? It tells me that I am loved by God, the God of the universe, more than I could have ever dreamed about, more than I could ever know. And nothing can separate me from that love. And that includes even me and how I feel or don't feel today. Good stuff, right? So what's next? I am forgiven. Remember uh, what I said or about seeing our faults when we look in the mirror? Well, we're also great at seeing the faults of other people too. It's part of our humanity, uh, I feel. It's like we're a magnet for seeing the stuff that isn't right in ourselves and in other people. 
So how do we deal with this as human beings? Well, again, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Ephesus, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, this is a pretty powerful verse, but what does it mean? Now, I want you to notice the phrase at the start of this verse, in him. This is the key, in him. In Christ, our identity is in him. It's not about what I have done. It's not about what I haven't done, which is great news because either I would royally mess it up or I would give myself way too credit, too much credit, right? You know what I mean. No, it's not about me. It's about him. He is, in effect, our metaphorical son that we orbit. And when we reference our identity around him, things change. When you read the Bible, you will see phrases in there, in the New Testament, like in him, through him, or in Christ. And when you see them, take note, because the Bible is talking about your identity. It is answering the question, what does the Bible say about me? And in this verse, it tells us that we have been forgiven in him of all our sin, all our flaws, all the things that have stopped us living the life that God planned for us to live. All the shame, all of the fear, all of the guilt was put on Christ and we are forgiven. And this is a crucial part of our identity not in a way that should make us feel any kind of self-righteous kind of dude or make us feel like, you know, we're better than anybody else, but in a way that acknowledges we are here because of Jesus, because of, as this verse tells us, the riches of his grace and not anything else. And did you notice what else it said in this verse? It said, I am redeemed. But what does that mean? It's not a word we use often, is it, in modern day uh, life? It simply means that Christ brought us back. We were far off from God and Jesus brought us back. And that's the amazing truth. And as such, we can say things like, I am a new creation. Again, the Apostle Paul, he's pretty big on this. A lot of this comes from his writings. He wrote uh, in the New Testament to the church in Corinth, uh, Corinth, Uh, in the book 2 Corinthians, he said this, if anyone is in Christ, notice that phrase, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there's that phrase again, isn't it? Like I said, notice it, in Christ and in him, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a beautiful thing to me. So you may have struggled with habit patterns before you were Christian. But since then, Christ has made you new. Those habit patterns are old things that sort of have passed away. We are new creations. And what affected us in our past no longer has to affect us in our future. I'm going to say that again. We are new creations and what affected us in our past no longer has to affect us in our future. So what else does the Bible say about me? I'm getting into this now. It says, I am holy. I am righteous. That means God sees me without flaws. He sees me the way that he sees Jesus. It means that I can enter into the presence of God 
without shame or fear. I'm chosen. I love this. God, the Bible tells me, chose me before the foundation of the world. Do you remember, if you're like me, uh, the, the whole team picking thing at school, right, to play football or soccer for anyone outside of the UK? I was usually one of the last people chosen. I wasn't particularly sporty, ginger hair, glasses, the whole thing, right? And I remember that feeling. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't great when you were the last person to be picked, but thank God he looks beyond my ability to play football and my hair colour and whether I wear glasses or whether I don't or whether I'm sporty or not. He, the God of the universe, chose me before the foundation of the world. Before he slung the worlds into existence, he chose me and he chooses you too. See, God has a plan for us. Something else the Bible tells us. He chose us. We are not here by accident. And we are not here because... And we are here. Let me rephrase that sentence. Let me get it right. We are here because God has a plan for us. We aren't sort of wandering around aimless. The Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he did that with a purpose in mind. God has a plan for us. Yes, sir, he does. What else does the Bible say about me? Bring it on, right? We're just literally scratching the surface here. It says, I'm a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Have you ever thought of yourself as a masterpiece? The Bible tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Notice that phrase, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, we have been created in Christ. We are his workmanship, his craftsmanship, his poetry, his masterpiece. This isn't God just whacking any old thing together when he made you. This is God taking his time, doing his best work on you. It's not always that easy to believe and that easy to understand, especially when we're used to seeing our flaws when we look in the mirror. So we can tend to ignore it. We can wash over it. And so can the crowds too. They all said that Jairus' daughter was dead, but Jesus didn't. He saw something different. You, the crowds, may have said all kinds of things about you. According to Forbes, we are exposed to four to 10,000 adverts a day, all of which tell us that we are not good enough in some way, especially if they contain beauty products or makeup, right? But you are his masterpiece. You are good enough. Now that may sound crazy. It sounded crazy when Jesus said the little girl was not dead but sleeping. Everyone ridiculed him. So do you remember what he did? He put them all outside. Get away from the voices that tell you something different to what God tells you. When you ask yourself, what does God see when he looks at me? Go to the Bible. Dig into it. Find these verses, especially the verses that contain phrases like in him, in Christ, by him, through him, and so on. This world is more than happy to put you down. It is more than happy to help you believe a lie. And sometimes that lie may be to tell you that you are the best, better than 
everybody else and that you don't need others. And both extremes are lies, right? We have to understand what the Bible says about me. The Bible tells me that uh, you are God's masterpiece. You are chosen. He has a plan for you. You are the child of a king. You are an heir of God, a co-heir of Christ, that you are holy and redeemed, a new creation and loved and forgiven. It tells me that you are part of a team, the church, the body, and that we are all equal in the eyes of God, equal regardless of the size of my bank balance, my gender, my race, my nationality. We are all equal. And not only am I God's masterpiece, but because of the bigness and greatness of God, so are you. And so is the person sitting opposite me in the office or opposite me on the train. I might not like them a whole lot, I might disagree with their politics or their stance on whether or not they should get vaccinated. But they're still loved by God, just as I am. They are still equal. They are still his workmanship. So the challenge here is to not be like those folks in Jairus's house that scorned Jesus and ridiculed him because they thought what he said about this young girl was utterly and entirely wrong based on what they could see and experience because you know what in the end Jesus proved he was right about that little girl and he'll prove he is right about you and those around you when you let him when you dig into the bible and find out what it does say about you and let it change you from the inside out Brilliant, brilliant. That was fantastic, Matt. God loves you. Uh, God loves you. Here's a song we're going to listen to. We can worship along if you want. Reckless Love. Thanks, Matt.
your foe, steal your love fought for me. You have been so so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. So so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. I couldn't. Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me.
What a great track that is. Thanks again to John Anna Grace for doing that. Love, love, love that song, Reckless Love. It's just, I don't know, Phil, is that, did you like that song or is that? I, is that, I love it. I love the, I, you knew I was going to say this, didn't you? But the bit about yeah. where Jesus goes after the, the, the missing, the lost, because as some people might know, I'm involved in fostering. Did you think I wouldn't mention it? No, and, no, I was uh, just always to, curious to, what kind of segue you would use, and that seemed <laughs> as good as any to me. <laughs> uh, uh, give me a situation, I'll segue into fostering and adoption. <laughs> and to me, I know in Liverpool there's 1,559 kids in care. The UK, it's one, 107,000, wow. and each one of them is precious. Each yeah, one yeah. of them is a precious uh, child to, to God, and the, you know it's up to us as as his people to kind of find a way of looking after those kids. Mm. I'll try not to go about fostering again, but I probably will. Yeah, I've no doubt, Phil. I've no doubt. It sort of comes along with the territory, doesn't yeah, it? And it goes without so. saying, if you are watching the live stream and you would like to know more about fostering and adopting, uh, you can reach out to Phil Watson. I'm sure I'd more than happily talk to you. Absolutely. I'm serious. Please do. I'd love Especially to Especially if you live in okay. Liverpool. But yeah, well, that's good. So let's get into this whole topic of identity uh and you know what the bible says about me phil do you remember um was there a point in your life where you thought actually i needed to get a bit more of a handle on this topic or is it just sort of something that's flowed with you no de definitely definitely now some young people are going to get really angry with me about this but i spent <laughs> six years at university and i didn't pay for any of it I, in fact, so I got funding them. from the, oh, I got funding from the European Social Fund. There's oh, wow. something else that probably doesn't exist anymore. But um, I've got, a, what have I got? I mean, I know it's probably true of a lot of people watching. I've got a degree in languages. I've got a master's in, I've got, an, I've got a master's, believe it or not, in how the European Union functions. Not a lot of use anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've also got um, a PGCE, so I'm a, I'm a teacher. And I've got a variety of qualifications in export management. And for a while after university, I was an export manager. And that's when the rubber hit the road for me about uh, identity, because I became a Christian when I was about 19. And I had a business card which said, Phil Watson, export management. Um, I had a, a business account. I had suits. I used to go abroad. And I it looked like I was really living a bit of a dream. It was probably something that I'd um, aspired to was a younger man, like mm. proper job, proper income, proper status. But you know what, Matt? And it, this isn't true of everybody who's an export sales manager. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated going abroad, which is odd because I love being abroad. I hated going to, well, I would just say anodyne in different hotels. I wasn't interested in the products I was selling. I, I, I got quite down about it all. And oh, right. I realized one of the things about it was, I'd actually put my identity in the wrong place. I'd put it in what I do rather than who I am. And I symbolically had, you know, I had business cards. I've got a business card now, and I'm sure lots of people have got an Insta bio or a Facebook bio. But I ripped up my business card and went, this is what I do to earn some money, but it's not who I am. Mm. I am, like all those things you mentioned, I am created by God. I'm created in his likeness. Out of the 7 billion people on the planet, he loves me um, and he's got a plan for my life. And for some people, it's export management. I used to sell graphic arts filing. For other people like me, it turned out actually it was working with young people as a teacher. Then I moved into fostering and adoption. And I, even though I love those things, they're still actually what I do, not who I am. Mm. And one day, I mean, Matt, you and me, we're still young men. 
One day, we're still young men, but one day we'll possibly retire from our careers and jobs. I, I know, know it seems it. a shock, doesn't it? It depends <laughs> on your mortgage, if you're paying for the kids to go to uni and all that other <laughs> stuff. But you have to find, you have to come to terms with the fact that one day what it says on your business card or your Insta bio or whatever it is you mm. use to identify yourself, that will be redundant. But yeah, the thing about my relationship with God is I am always going to be created by him and I will always be loved by him. That's very it, true. That's God. very good. It gives me a bit of a buzz. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And let me ask you a question then. So when you when you tore up your business card, you know, and yep. you and you you kind of did that act and you start to think, no, no, I need to start to think about myself in a different way here. What difference did that make for you? Well, I carried on for a little while being a business, being an, an export manager, but I had a different approach to it. And I was like, this is something I do. And whether I have a good day, whether I have a bad day, it doesn't define me. Mm. And I think we all, anyone who's watching, you'll have days that are good and days that are bad. Whatever you do, nobody lives, as far as I'm aware, in a perpetual state of everything's going really well. And understanding that God loves you is such an, it's such an integral part, I like to think, of who I've become and who I am. And knowing yeah. that he loves me. And I have to keep revisiting it. It's not something that I understood once and it lasts. I have to keep going back into it through reading the Bible, through praise, through worship, through going to church, through connecting with other Christians. Mm. But knowing that, it, it, it does bring you a sense of, say it's World Mental Health Day, and it does bring a sense of tranquility when I, yeah. Yeah. When I remember it. Because you're allowed to have mental health issues, for example, even if you're a Christian, it doesn't preclude them. <laughs> but yeah. it is part of my journey for managing my, my mental health. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm linking a lot of things here with, hang on a minute, this is just a thing that has happened. This is a bad blip, this, this thing that's making me worried, making me anxious. And I know there's a lot of things I'm not opening up there about mental health, but actually fundamentally, if I remember that God made me, God loves me, God's got a plan for me, mm -hmm. that solves a lot, of the, a lot of the worries that I think I used to have and sometimes still do, to be honest. Yeah, I'm. I totally. I, I was. I'm glad you brought it around to World Mental Health Day because I. I. I think you're. You're totally bang on there. It's like. I'm with you. It would be easy to put my identity. I mean, I. I wasn't an export manager. Uh, I. I. I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own business. And you kind of. It's easy. I think if you're successful to put identity in that. Um. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it, you don't have to be successful to put your identity in the wrong place. Mm. Um. But I think if you're successful, it's easy to become known for being successful. Do you know what I mean? I do coaching. I do people pay me money to tell them what I think, which is a beautiful thing. Right. But it, it can give you a false sense of identity. It's like, yeah, I'm an expert in that field, but that's not who I am because and that has a massive impact on my mental health and my mental well-being because it kind of I just feel like it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's yeah. like. Actually, yes, I can say I am. I mean, one of the, the things I do love when it came, we talked about in today's talk, I am chosen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I am God's masterpiece. And you kind of you kind of look at that and go, flipping it. It doesn't matter whether I'm successful or whether I'm not. None, none of that has any bearing over here, like you say, on whether God loves me, whether he's got a plan for me, whether he's interested in me, whether he chose me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all those kind of things. Yeah. They all stay the same. But my life over here can change. Yeah. So putting my identity in that over here, well, it be, it, it's like the wise man that didn't build his house on the rock, isn't yeah. it? It becomes yeah. shaky.
The other thing that I've noticed a big trend in recently, and I wonder what you thought about this, is people who, who choose their identity based on how they feel on a particular day. It's all about, yeah. you know, how I feel about either me or my life. How do you, how do you, how do you think about that? Do you remember the big, was it number one for 13 weeks? I'm going back to four weddings and a funeral. Um, <laughs> wet, wet, wet. Um, I feel it in my fingers. There's a yeah, bit yeah. where it says, my mind's made up by the way that I feel. Yeah. It's a really interesting lyric because I think it's rubbish. Um, because <laughs> if, if you ask me how I feel on a Monday morning, mm. it'll be a different answer from a Friday evening mm. for no other reason than I feel a bit perkier on a Friday evening than I do on a Monday morning. <laughs> you can't base your life on that and you only get the Friday mm. feeling if you've had a bit of a downer on a Monday. And I know these things are all, you know, they're all yeah. relative, but there's another, you know, there's another verse in the Bible, isn't there? And I'm gonna not remember where it's from, but a clever person can chip in, it, where it talks about holding your thoughts captive, yeah. which is a, it is a quite a complicated biblical verse in a way, but it's simple, which is when I, for, when I get angry with myself about who I am, or I feel disappointed with myself, or similarly, if I feel angry about other people, or I get cross about something. The Bible says, hang on a minute, just look at what you're thinking, look what's in your mind and examine it. And then you kind of can think, well, is that a useful thing to think? Is it true? Yep. And your emotions might say that it's true. And it might be true at that time, but actually, like you say, if you come back to the essence of, of your Christian faith, you go, yeah, but God does love me. I might yeah, have just made a mistake. I might have really, really messed up. Mm -hmm. I might have done something wrong. Um, and I might be, and, and my thoughts might be out of control. Now I know, you know, again, we're, we're dealing with a, a very serious topic uh, very quickly. So there's a lot more to unpack. So, you know, don't think we're saying it glibly, oh, it's simple, hold your thoughts captive. Because I know that that's not possible for all yeah. people in all circumstances. But I know for me, that's a really important part of my, of, of remembering who I am. And yeah, I have yeah. to do this regularly. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't get it all sorted when I became a Christian in 1989. Mm. I've had this, battle if you like you know metaphorical battle again and again and again I, mm. I you could argue that i have it most days yeah yeah that's a very very good point um second corinthians 10 uh, verse 5 Bill. i knew you'd know no no Did google you... knew i google. quickly google. <laughs> i've lost all biblical literacy since google yeah, came yeah. On i used to know them all but i haven't got a clue anymore just google it yeah just go google oh there it is yeah yeah but it's 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 interesting isn't it because he's um, Paul there, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that in the New Testament, he said um, that we're going to cast down these arguments and every high thing that exalts, I love the language, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And it's a bit like, it's like these things are sometimes insurmountable. They're high yeah. things, they're complex things to deal yeah. with. But my long-term plan is to bring those things uh into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, yep. just to start thinking about myself like God thinks about me, to see Paul, situations like God sees them, right? Paul is an amazing person, isn't he? If you know a bit about his life, he had the most incredible highs and the most incredible lows. Yeah. He started off life as a very, very powerful, successful Jewish man who was a Roman citizen so and it was so we we know lots of things about him the fact that he was able to travel the fact that he was he must have been wealthy he had a significant influence um when so he had nothing to gain by becoming a christian he had nothing yeah. 
You know, there was no expediency. It wasn't to get a promotion. He no. was giving up everything. And yet when he was a Christian, so we know that he traveled around, he wrote large parts of the Bible that you have to read with a certain degree of context, I think, to understand. But there were times when it must have, you know, he must have gone, oh, this church is booming. Mm. This church is fantastic. And then a minute later, he's like, oh, what's this church doing? They're rubbish. We know he got shipwrecked. We know he got Mm. kicked out of towns who hated him and they beat him up. He was beaten up several times, shipwrecked. He was in prison. Um, Ultimately, he was executed, as far as we're aware, for his Mm. faith. And yet he seemed to have this sense of, but well, I know who I am. I yeah. know who I am. I know God made me. I know he loves me. He made me with a purpose. And I know that my purpose is this. And to have that sense of self, I think is how I would phrase it, maybe in 2021, tr- tremendously, uh, you know, it's, it's very attractive character mm. when you meet somebody who's content with perhaps who they are. I feel yeah. that, you know, you see that with Jesus. He. He wasn't threatened by, I know I can be threatened by other people's success. Jesus didn't seem to be bothered yeah. by that at all because he was so sure of who he was. He loved yeah. other people. Brilliant. Yeah, and that's that's amazing, isn't it? And he, it's like you say, he knew he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He knew where he was heading. And that, it's like, if you know those two things, who you are and where you're going, I don't know, it, it just solves a lot of things in life. Yeah, and, and with you know where you're going, we don't mean, I don't think, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen this week, but we know that God knows. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, right, this is a bit, sc- well, this is very scary sometimes. I you know, where's this going? You go, God, God, you're big, you're big, and you yeah. know stuff, and you're powerful. I'm just going to have to trust you on this one. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's tremendously reassuring. Um, it doesn't mean you don't worry necessarily, because the Bible mm. says, don't worry unduly. You know, there is a, you know, when we know that Jesus, um, for example, he, he had the full range of emotions, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He cried yeah. when, um, uh, when his friend died. I'm pretty sure he laughed. I've always thought that if, if, if little kids always wanted to hang around Jesus, I always thought he must have had a good sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. yeah otherwise they wouldn't have been there, right? You know, they never go, you know, oh, he's oh, yeah, oh, kids. <laughs> you know, the kids wanted to be random. So I think he had, a, he had the full range of emotions. Um, I also want to say, this is a very strange thing as well about mental health, is how often Jesus seemed to sleep. Uh, he 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 slept on the boat. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah. He, he went up a mountain. and He had a sleep. And I always think, don't under. And this is I'm being serious here. Don't underestimate. And uh, we said about Sabbath, but don't underestimate the importance of sleep of rest. Um, can I, can I say that? Um, no, no, I agree. Uh, the, the the start of lockdown, uh, you can. I think you can plot the mood of uh, the nation. I think I can by the emails I receive every week. Right. Yeah. And at the start of lockdown, one by far the most popular email topic uh, that people were asking me about sleep. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Just yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, it's not at the moment at the start of lockdown. It was now there's a lot of questions about, you know, heaven and the afterlife, because obviously a lot of people have, have, have experienced a loss of loved yeah. ones. Right. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of those kind of emails in. Um, and if that is of interest, you know, check out what Dan talked about last week and what does the Bible say about the afterlife? Um, but yeah, phenomenal, uh, questions all around sleep. And as you say that, Phil, let me say, if this is your first time to crowd, make sure you subscribe because in a few weeks time, we are actually doing, what does the Bible say about sleep? And you're oh, not wow. going to want to miss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. I didn't uh, even know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a good segue, Phil. You're good at yeah, these well, segue well done things. Me. <laughs> 
So we do have that coming up in a few weeks time, which I think is absolutely fascinating as a topic. You are going to want to come and make sure you've yeah. got that. And also to carry on uh, the conversation we started this week, Sharon uh, is going to be asking the question, what does the Bible say about anxiety next week as well? So we, we're covering that topic in a bit more detail. They are all the things coming up. Yeah. But Phil, listen, in closing, let me ask you one final question, if I may. Well, if you could go back in time to your younger Christian self before you tore up that biscuit bis, biscuit card, uh, yeah, business card, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about you know what does the Bible say about me? What would be the one thing that you would want your younger self to understand more? I would want to fully understand how much God loved me, and any other human being's opinion is secondary. Well, mm. I don't know what comes after secondary, but God loves me. That's the one. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic, Phil. Thanks for joining well, me this week. Right, You've been an absolute right, legend, uh, as always. The way we're going to close the service now is uh, we are going to play one more worship song. Feel free to stick around and continue in the conversation in the chat. Thanks for everyone that's written a comment or said hi, by the way. Or Matt Crew put here that um, 15 to 16 weeks for wet, wet, wet. Uh, one. <laughs> is that what? I feel it in my fingers. See, feelings, they're yeah. good. You can't trust. Anyway, yeah, the last thing you want uh, now is me and Phil to start singing. So, <laughs> what we. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's just not going to work. It's just not going to end well. So what we're going to do is we're going to play one more track, uh, worship song. Feel free to stick around, sing along, write in the comments. But as I said, if you're new here or you've not been to CrowdChurch before, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you stick around with what's going on. Uh, I'll put on the screen the WhatsApp number or the website one more time so you can reach out to us that way. We will be back again next Sunday at 6 p.m. Like I say, to ask, what does the Bible say about anxiety? Uh, from me... Tara and Phil. See you, everybody. All right. Bless you guys. Lovely. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Now the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way, for the risen one has overcome. And for everything, there's an empty grave. For the risen one is overcome Now the silence breaks In the name of Jesus As the heavens cry, let the earth respond All creation shouts With a voice of triumph To declare the reign of the Lord our God When the earth gives way, for there is a one who's overcome. And for everything, there's an empty grave. For there is a one who's overcome. He shall reign forever, strongholds now surrender for the 
gives way For there is a one who's overcome And for everything There's an empty grave For there is a one who's overcome We will not be moved When the earth gives way For there is a one who's overcome And for every fear There's an empty grave For there is a one